It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and the Korean zombie chin to my Max Holloway counter-right, Nick John Bracha the third. Nick, we're going to get into UFC Fight Night Gone versus Pavlovich, uh, a French card that looks that looks overall promising. There's just like a lot of new names in the territory, and you never know whether those are legit prospects or whether they're going to end up flaming out. But we're coming off of that Max Holloway win over Korean Zombie, a pretty pretty exciting card overall, man. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, I dug it. Like I thought. Um, listen, the, the crowd. Well, it was a, a fine farewell to, to Zombie. A you know, a B-plus uh, 145-er who lost some of his best years after his Aldo loss um, to military service. Um, but never really had a boring fight. Got some really good scalps on his way there. And uh, otherwise, it was a, you know, it, it, was, it was a card with some no, some notable fights. The uh, We saw Alex Caceres' ceiling as Giga Chikadze came back. You know, Anthony Smith lives to fight another day, kind of. And uh, probably the most important fight on that card, the one with the most, uh, the one that mattered the most with respect to future rankings and title shots, um, Aaron Blanchfield got uh, got over, you know, after losing the first round, um, came back strong, strong uh, beat Talia Santos, showed that she's resi- extremely resilient. Not that we ever really doubted her, though some people had thought she's had kind of an easy walk to title contention i don't think so i think that i think she's a really bad matchup um for pretty much all of the 125 contenders like i don't i i hesitate to see someone um where i'm like oh boy that person's you know that person's gonna walk over blanchfield i think uh you know by the end of 2024 i'll be very very surprised if this young woman is not the flyweight champion so you think she's going to go right for that fight? With I mean, she, she's certainly going to be eligible for the title, and she looks fantastic so far. It's just I, I struggle to struggle to see her facing someone in their prime who's truly developed. And Tali Santos isn't truly developed. I know that she looked pretty good at times against Valentina Shevchenko, but what we're, we're also seeing is that Valentina Shevchenko is past her prime. Now, again, this is what I've been waiting for for years. I've been waiting for this division to flush out to become truly an elite division, and it's happening with fighters like Talia Santos and Aaron Blanchfield. We have Tatiana Suarez, right? Who's another one of these like legit, legit prospects at either division? Oh yeah, she beat she beat Andrade. Yeah, she's good. She's um, you know, she got a little old, and I, we'll see. We'll see if she missed her moment or not. But yeah, she's certainly in play. Um, but again, to be fair, she might be more in play at one fifteen than one twenty five. But. 100, 125 pounds women division is looking really promising now. Again, between Grasso holding that belt, beating Shevchenko, who's past her prime, Aaron Branchfield, who's now ranked the number two, Menno Ferro, who's competing this weekend, ranked the number three, Talia Santos, who had really good moments against Shevchenko, right? Like, and then we get into the Shukagians, the Lauren Murphys, the 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 Vivian, you know, some of these fighters who've been around for a while, but we're getting like some of those like real bright prospects at the very very top of that top five with Aaron Branchfield, Menno Ferro, and Talia Santos, um, and like Macy Barber. Yeah, like she's a, back on the come up. Like a, That's a, right. a world beater against Amanda Hivas. That's right. Um, Casey O'Neill, who, it, who's looked promising, but he but she took her prospect loss. Tracy Cortez is still maybe on the come up. We'll see Natalia Silva, who's making a serious splash. Like yeah. uh, Kareen Silva, who's Cortez. making a serious splash. 
Cortez has not been active enough for my yeah, for right. my liking at this stage in her career. She had a bunch of stuff with she was with Ortega and not with Ortega, and it seemed like her personal life was getting a lot more news in her cage time. Yeah, um, yeah, well, and we, which is not a never, good time for a fighter, but yeah, you, like, and I wouldn't, you know, like I wouldn't rule out Mackenzie Dern getting back in this division at some point. Yeah, with how dangerous her ground game is and how good she looked. Uh, although oh, you're saying she might move back up to 125, I mean she she's looking well, in phenomenal shape, you, but you never you, know. You, you never know. Yeah, you, yeah, you never. It'll it'll it'll. She's a. I believe that because Dern's a fighter who's going to follow opportunities to the gold. I think she wants to be a champion, mm-hmm. and she may. She, you know her path. Her path at, um, you know her path at 115 is going to play out, and we'll see. Like she's. She's certain, she's really good. She's thirty. You know, we'll, we'll see if she ends up going back up, uh, back up in weight. Yeah. Plus, we have to mention Rose Namajunas now in this weight division, right? Like, is she staying here? Will she see success this weekend? If she gets to win this weekend, she could be like eligible for an immediate title shot. So, definitely a lot going on at one twenty-five. Oh, and the and the UFC loves her. Yeah, she, yeah she's a, she's a, she's a star. Um, and, like, and, well, yeah, in a lot we'll of ways see, she but... really is. Um, and and I do I do want to quickly say Max Holloway, Cheng Song Jong. I mean, it's nice to see Max Holloway not facing somebody that's about to challenge for a title against Volkanovski and kind of taking that person out of the running. It's nice to see Max Holloway not get a win over someone who then picks up a win and then gets a challenge for the title, right? Like he faced somebody that's not in the running for that title, somebody who's already been beaten by Volkanovski and Chan Sung Jung in Jung's retirement fight. Maybe the only fight he would have been willing to take uh, rather than retiring, which it sounds like was the alternative to this matchup. So, look, good on Chan Sung Jung. He's had a great career. I, you know, he's, he's given us a lot of exciting moments. He's been a contender for a long time. Challenged against Jose Aldo, challenged against Volkanovski. Uh, looked decent against Jose Aldo until that injury, man, back in the day. Uh, certainly way, way past his prime at this point. Like you said, lost a couple of years to military service. Anthony Smith walked away with the squeaker against Ryan Spann. Both of these guys are an example of why the top 10 at light heavyweight is so, so terribly, terribly bad. Uh, Giga Chikaze, I always mispronounce his name, looked good against Alex Caceres. And, uh, and man, yeah, I would say you're right that Blanchfield is probably the main headline coming off of that card. She is, she is no joke. She's clearly a phenomenal prospect, even though she doesn't look extremely athletic. Uh, but we do have to dive into UFC Fight Night Gone versus Spivak Nick. Um, so I, I closed the distance by two points. You're now only five and a half points ahead of me. And again, like we have, we have plenty of time. We have a few months to flesh out the rest of this year. But as of now, your total is 82 points. My total is 76.5. We're within punching range of one another. And we're going into this French card. Uh, I believe I have the first pick on this one. And to be honest, I, I'm having a real hard time. Like some of these odds seem further apart than they should be. But they're also somewhat hard to disagree with. So I'm having a hard time really settling on a pick, especially since a lot of these huge favorites are either new to the UFC or, or very early in their UFC careers. I think I'm going to go with the matchup between Rose Namajunas and Mano Ferro as my first one. Rose Namajunas has shown that she's an elite fighter. You know, if you look at a record 11-5, and five, not terribly impressive, right? But we know she's... She's one of the best of all time at 115 pounds. We know she has wins over every champion at 115 pounds, except for Carla Esparza, who somehow was able to get the edge over her in a fight where nothing happened back in 2022. And she hasn't fought since then. But prior to that, she came off of two wins over Weili Zhang, who looks like she's never going to relinquish that title, who looks like she's untouchable, quite frankly, at this point. right? Um, but then she got choked out by Jillian Robertson in a grappling match, and quite honestly, she got run over in that one. She's someone who's always been struggling with mental health, with uh, with depression and anxiety. 
Um, and going into this matchup against Mano Ferreiro, a weight division up, Mano Ferreiro, who's looked really, really sharp standing, uh, really good distance management, lands the big shots when she needs to, good takedown defense, occasionally gets takedowns in matchups that are close that could kind of edge that in her way, and, and she she did some of that against Caitlin Shukagan. She's got a win over Jennifer Maya, which is looking more and more impressive as we go along. She's got a win over Myra Buena Silva, who's about to challenge for the title on 135 pounds. Tabitha Ritchie's another one in her record, right? So Mano Ferreiro has not had an easy road up, and she's facing Rose Namie Yunus here. I think the version of Rose Nami Yunus that got absolutely smoked by Jillian Robertson in a, a grappling match, the version of her that lost a tepid, terrible decision to Carlos Barza, who probably shouldn't have really ever gotten uh, the, the who, who should have never really held the title uh, past 2020. I've got to I've got to assume that Mano Ferreira is going to be able to handle herself in this matchup. It's unfortunate to see Rose go this past her prime. Uh, to, to, to see her struggle with the mental health stuff. She's only 31 years old. She's literally the younger woman in this matchup. So if Rose can somehow get a second win, she, in her career, I mean, she can do well here. She has the skills to win this fight, but I'm not convinced that going up a weight division where she used to be a small straw weight, she's now uh, at 125 pounds. She's going to have a two-inch uh, uh, height disadvantage, a one-inch reach disadvantage. I'm going with Mano Ferreiro here. I think she's going to tidy up a decision here, and uh, unless Rose suddenly just gets back into full form, which I'd love to see as well. Crazy that I'm picking this first, I think. Yeah, I'm surprised. I also thought you might go with Rose to pick up the two, to shoot for the two points. But I tend to agree with you. Like, Ferreiro doesn't have, um, doesn't have a lot of holes. The other thing is that, you know, sometimes Rose... You know, sometimes roses can be the hammer, and it's like a really good hammer, and can be like super active. Other times, she really measures, and she's not particularly active. I could see the the you know, Faro point kickboxing uh, her way to a victory, to like winning the first round, maybe half of the second round before Rose really gets going. I think that's that's my bigger fear is that Rose isn't particularly active, um, because if she is super active, Faro's going to counter. She's not going to sit there and fucking take it. Like she's going to. She's going to counter, and she's going to counter hard. Um, yeah, you know, Rose is a great story. She seems like a sweet person. I'd love to see her uh, go back, but I also feel like, in some ways, not that the game, not the game has passed her by, but she's been extremely inactive since that really weird loss that she somehow considered a psychic win um, or psychological win. Like, right. We don't really know what we don't really know what we're going to get, and she's going up against a you know a hungry contender who's bigger, stronger. So we're on the same page um, on that one. What is your first pick, buddy? Yeah, we're on the same page of that one. Although I may I may have you know shot for the two points. Um, oh, I lost my tip. Oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go with the main event. Uh, I think I, which I know we're picking the main and the code very early, but. It's in France. It's Cyril Ghosn. Yes, he's lost two of his last three fights, but they were doing Ghana, which he was winning, and John Jones, where he, I think, psyched himself out. Now, Spivak's had um, a lot of success beating heavyweights on the ground. I don't think Cyril Ghosn is incapable on the ground. I think he, I think he shit his pants during the John Jones fight. He's not like awesome, but I don't, I don't see Spivak having a real easy time getting him down. Um, I think that if he's aggressive and he tries to, I think it's his path to winning this fight is to be aggressive and Don feasts on guys, um, who approach him with aggression. He's such a good striker. Uh, he's a good counter striker. And I, I think he, uh, I think he hurts. I think that he hurts Spivak and, and Spivak's little run, uh, gets, de gets derailed here. 
I the only path I think is a um, is a is like a complete mental collapse or gone is even worse on the ground than that you know than we thought and he just is has was completely mentally defeated and embarrassed and can't come back from that i'm not betting i'm not betting that that's the case i think uh, i think cyril gone will find will find his footing here and probably score a uh, a tko in like the second or third round yeah see the interesting thing about this is that the thing that got cyril gone out of there in the first few moments of the first round against john jones that skill base Spivak has it. He's got really, really good takedowns. He's got a really good offensive grappling game, particularly from top position. He's got a really good jab standing. He's got some speed for a guy his size. He trains at uh, Extreme Couture, which is a pretty solid, proven team at this point. Uh, he has access to the UFC PI, which is to his credit, right? There's a lot of things going Spivak's way. But the fact that Cyril gone, you know, what... What, what what troubled him against uh, Nganu was really bad IQ, MMA IQ mistake. What troubled him against John Jones was also the same exact thing, but it was under the brightest of lights when the pressure was extru- like seriously, seriously on him, right? Where everything was on the line. The world title was on the line in both those matchups. So I wonder how much of a factor that is. I wonder where his where his mind frame will be, where his mindset will be following those two losses. I think Spivak has the skills to win this fight, but given that it's in Paris, France, given that Cyril Gan has really good distance management, the fact that he uses his footwork to keep you at a range where it's hard for you to even go for offensive takedowns, although John Jones certainly was able to do it. Um, I guess I'm going to edge Cyril Gan. I'm glad you're picking this one. To be honest, I thought I thought at some point this was against Pavlovich. I, I actually, I think I set Pavlovich at the beginning of of this podcast, uh, as in Gone versus Pavlovich versus Gone versus Spivak. I, I would, I, I would be, I would be picking Pavlovich in that fight. Just that I would have actually been more confident in Gone in that matchup than this one, believe it or not, because Pavlovich doesn't have the ground game, uh, the ground game strength that seems to trouble Gone, and Gone we know can keep his range against a seriously powerful offensive striker as he did against uh, Francis Ngannou. Um, so uh, again, I'm glad you're making this back. I would have been more confident in Gon versus Pavlovich than versus Spivak, given Spivak's skill set. But Spivak was finished multiple times in the UFC, right? And and you know, to guys like Walt Harris, like that's not that's not super promising. It's concerning that that he was able to be gotten out of there. But Tom Aspinall ran through him. Tom Aspinall could be the best heavyweight on the planet for all we know. Martin Tabura out hustled him, and so even though he's got good wins over guys like Sakai over Derek Lewis. Um, you know, th- there's some concerns, and and his wins aren't really high level of enough. They aren't Cyril Gaon. Well, level. those are guys. Those are those are guys. Those are guys that quit. And I don't think. Yeah. I think I think I don't think we've really seen Cyril Gaon quit. You could argue he quit last time against Jones, no, but it was weird. I I I I don't think he quit as much as his computer broke down. Like I think he just, I think his circuits got crossed, and he didn't know what to do. I think he you think he's got pants. overwhelmed? He, yeah. Yeah, I think you should. I think you know what to do. And and John Jones is just a di- a different level of killer grappling. I mean, John Jones hasn't looked good in a long time, and then suddenly he looks spectacular against Cyril Gaon. That's concerning, man. Well, he also yeah he gave a shit. He gave a shit. He had something to prove. John Jones never enjoyed just fighting the next contender. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. And and, and I'm curious to see where it goes. You know, John Jones obviously going up against. Uh, Steve Miocic, yeah, like that. That's that's not exactly the matchup I want to see John Jones tested in, but that might be his last fight. Anyway, my next pick is going to be, and this is one in which um, I, I'm going to go for the Farid Basharat Clayton Rodriguez uh, matchup. Here's the thing: I when I first saw this matchup, my inkling was Clayton Rodriguez is actually a pretty legit prospect. Probably should still be undefeated in the UFC. That that loss uh, on his record shouldn't have been a loss. He did more damage um, in, in his UFC debut loss, and 
and like my thought was I might just go for the three points on Clayton Rodriguez, man. The dude's athletic. He's he's fast. He's strong. But the fact that he's coming up to 135 after two weight misses, right? He he missed weight against Shannon Ross, in which he got a first round knockout win. He missed weight against Satura Tyra in a bout that got canceled because of it. Right now he's coming up to 135 because he essentially has no choice. Is this a discipline problem or is it he's just much too large for 125? I'm not entirely sure. But if it is a discipline problem, then his cardio is going to be a factor here against Basharat, who's not only a filled that you know, a pretty big, pretty tall. Uh, rangy 135 pound fighter he's also extremely sharp he's very fast he's a guy that's going to keep that same high pace throughout a fight where it's Cleetson has shown that he can slow down against CJ Vargar again I thought that he deserved to win that fight Cleetson did but CJ Vargar did get the split decision because he pressured and out hustled him um, at moments and and so I gotta go with Basharat I think Basharat's a real real serious prospect also a guy that trades at extreme couture um uh, w- w- along with his brother and a couple of other prospects from that uh, fr- from that Middle Eastern region. Um, again, looking really sharp in all facets of the game. I'm going to go with Basharat here, but again, I was seriously considering taking Clinton Rodriguez for three points. Yeah, I loved uh, Basharat's last fight. I thought, he, I thought he looked terrific. I see where you're going. I'm surprised you didn't take the three points too, knowing you've got some ground to catch up, but good. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, are you are you with Basharat on this one? Um, yeah, I'm with Basharat. Yeah. I, I, until until he proves otherwise, I'm on I'm on the wagon. Fair. Uh, I'm on the wagon with him. Um, next fight, I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna go with Jacqueline uh, Cavalcanti, um, the the fighter out of Portugal over Zara Farron, who, I, if I remember correctly, I watched her. Um, I've seen a couple of her fights, and I I just was not particularly uh, impressed. And is this one? This is being contested at 140 pounds. Fe- catch weight. Fe- one 140. Yeah. Why? That's weird. Why? Um, I think Zara Farn was planning on making her 135 pound debut, and uh, Carvel Conti I think took this on a couple weeks' notice. Got it. Well, I still haven't really seen anything from Fire that gives me um you know any confidence at all um so even though she i guess she is the french fighter but i i still don't like her <laughs> yeah so zara foreign is absolutely gigantic even for 145 she's like the biggest female fighter maybe in the ufc um all muscle like like explosive and, and hits hard we saw in that fight against Josiane Nunes in her last matchup uh, in, in January that like she really put it on Nunes, especially in that first round, man. She put some serious leather on her, punished her. She was the much, 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 much bigger fighter against Nunes, who was like 5'2", five, 5'3". Five, um, and, and then Nunes, you know, kind of started to pick up the hustle a little bit in the second and third round against uh, Farn, who was tired because she was trying to finish Nunes. So... The, the truth is she's facing Calvacante, who's who looks decent overall. She has a lot of heart. She has good conditioning. She has pretty sharp boxing, um, but she doesn't necessarily have a great ground game, which is Farin's kind of weakness. We saw Farin lose to Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson in the first round by, you know, on the ground to both those women. But again, those are like title contender where the 145 pounders Kelvin Conti's making her UFC debut. She's five and one, right? She she just a couple of fights ago lost uh, on on a um, on the PFL Challenger series by split decision to Martina Shindrova, 
who is large, like not really that successful a fighter. She was 3-2 going into that one. So, look, uh, Cavalcanti is really not experienced enough to be this big of a favorite in this matchup. I probably would have gone with Theron for three points. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're making this pick. But, you know, at the same time, Kamaganti looks like she's promising. She's shown the heart and conditioning that Farron does not have. And so she's going to make the improvements in her 20s that Farron is not going to make, uh, and, you know, despite the fact that Kamaganti is taking this on short notice. So I see where you're coming from. My next pick is going to be... Well, also, I don't know what her reach is, but she's going to be the taller fighter. Who's that? Kamaganti is tall, actually taller than Farron. Is she? Interesting. Let me quickly, let me quickly look at that. Uh, it is... Five nine to five eight. True. Uh, what, what inch? Although she doesn't look like it in her fights, and you're right, the reach is not listed on Tapology. Um, but yeah, but but again, uh, Farn is just a powerful. She's like like if she, she might not get her out of there in the first round, and in which case Jacqueline's probably going to take over. But Jacqueline's also taking this on two weeks' notice. So there's a lot of variables to this, but I just think these odds are absolutely insane and and don't make enough sense. I know that Zara Farn almost has an even record, but still, um, my next pick is going to be in the matchup. Between Benoit Saint Denis and Tiago Moises, Tiago Moises, you know, proved at some point he looked like a real contender at 155 pounds. Uh, after a rough start in the UFC, he started to pick it up and started to get some success against some like again not not high level competition, but but decent competition, right? He trains with the American top team. He has a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. But then he lost to Islam Makhachev, totally understandable, in the fourth round. He got largely dominated and then finished in the fourth round. He lost to Joel Alvarez. Joel Alvarez. Um, basically just kind of got overwhelmed with this pressure and wins over Christos Chiagos, who's not a super successful UFC fighter, over Milgazel Costa, who's making his UFC debut, uh, you know, earlier in this year. Like, that's not the kind of quality that that gets you the nod over a high-level competition, right? Alexander Hernandez is a, is a decent win, uh, although Alexander Hernandez has a lot of holes. Bobby Green is a decent win, but a lot of people thought Bobby Green deserved to win that fight. Um, and so he's facing Benoit Saint-Denis, who, you know, made his UFC debut on short notice, a, a weight division up against Elise Zaleski dos Santos, and dude showed an incredible amount of heart. No matter how many times he got hurt, he never went down. He never gave in in that fight. And then he won his last next few fights uh, following that. Gabriel Miranda and Nicholas Stoltz are not high-level fighters, but Ismail Bonfim, he completely overwhelmed. Saint-Denis, known for his ground game, right? But he's also really explosive and offensive with his with his striking, particularly that southpaw kicking game. I'm going to take Saint Saint Denis in this one. I think I, I think he's got he's got a little bit of a star quality to him, and the fact that this is in France is only going to bolster him. He doesn't have to travel in the same way. He's going to have the crowd support. Um, he's going to feel more at home, presumably, especially you know now into his fifth fight in the UFC against a much more experienced opponent, but an opponent that's faltered against you know the real opposition that he's faced. So I'm going to take Benoit Saint Denis, knowing there's some risk here. Yeah, I think this um, I think this one's got fight of the night potential because this guy is so excited to fight in France. But Tiago Moises, I don't think is gonna isn't gonna roll over. And like skill wise, I don't think these guys are that are that far off. But uh, Saint Denis so aggressive, uh, really tough dude. Um, well, you know we're gonna get a re- we're gonna get a, we're gonna come out of this fight with a real sense of his ceiling. Yep. What you got next, bud? By the way, do you uh, are you edging Dan- uh, Saint Denis or Moises? Oh boy, I, I think this one's extremely close. Uh, if it wasn't in France, I'd probably be taking Moises, but I'm gonna edge. Uh, I'm gonna edge Saint Denis. Got it. What's your next pick? Um, uh, I'm gonna take uh, Volkan Ostemir, who I, who I picked all the time, and he's cost me so many points. But I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep on taking him because he, he's against a UFC neophyte, uh, a Russian fighter from. From Gore MMA named Bogdan Guskov. 
um, who has not didn't come in through the contender series. Curious how they um, pick him up from MMA series where he had a win over uh, Alareza Buffet and Carlos Eduardo. Um, Eduardo's name is a little familiar, but guy hasn't fought many people with uh, or anyone that I can notice. This guy you, uh, um, that's fought in the UFC. Um, you know, big dude, 6'3", 205. But Ozdemir, st- I still believe that he should, you know, he should be able to beat um, anyone outside of, like, the top 12 and maybe outside of the top 8, depending on, like, what's happening there. Um, he certainly falters against the elite. He can get, uh, he can look tired uh, at times. But against the, against a debuting fighter who hasn't even fought a UFC fighter before, I'm still going to go with Ozdemir. Yeah, I hear where you're coming from. I'm edging Ozdemir as well. It's just hard to be confident in this way past this prime version of him. And he's facing a guy who, you know, could show promise. He could be something with with development, but he's relatively green, um, pretty explosive, hits damn hard, and he's a finisher once he gets you there. But, you know, that's not necessarily an impressive attribute for a light heavyweight to have on the come up. It's just, can you do this at the UFC level? So I've got to agree with you here. It's it's hard to believe in Bogdan until we see him against this level of opposition. Yeah, and they're third. And Ozdemir's only 33. This guy's 30. Yes, Ozdemir has some, you know, some miles on him, but he's just like he's really only been beaten by cont- by contenders or titleists. Yeah, like yeah, true. Um, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Taylor Lapalus and Kulin Lawren. Um, uh, Kowlin is probably how you say that name. I'm probably mispronouncing it. Lawrence is kind of an Irish star. He's got he's got some power, right? But he seems to throw arm punches like you don't you don't see. You don't see a whole lot of like clean technique from the guy. Um, he he seems to have like medium level of speed, but that's because he's not really turning his feet, uh, turning his legs into his shots. Whereas Taylor Lapalus, like he's he's pretty patient, right? He's super low output, which is kind of the concern with him. But the guy, like he's got really good technique. He, he he's gonna get those opportunistic takedowns, and he's gonna do okay from top position. He is going to wait for the perfect counter shot, and and eventually he'll probably get it. So I'm I'm gonna go with Taylor, who who seems to who seems to have like like some serious pop in his hands, who seems to have more development, more of a technical element to his game, and he's got a tremendous experience edge here at 18 and three, facing off with uh, Lahren, who is only eight and zero. Um. Yeah, I got surprised you didn't go for the two points here, but I will. Uh, I, I I agree with you. <coughs> Next, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Ang Lusa. Is that, that's how you say his name? Um, we've seen fight a couple of times against uh, coming back to the UFC. Uh, Reese McKee, who was infamous for that big, um, one of those those one of those comes uh, out to my losses. Yes, one of those yeah. big. Thank you, thank you. One of those big comes up to my losses. Um, you know, Lusa came in. He he lost to Manir Lazez, who's not you know, and he also lost to Jack uh, Della Maddalena. But he went he went three rounds with him, which is saying something. The way that guy friggin' uh, you know friggin' hits um, and has a couple of him. He beat AJ Fletcher. He beat John Howard, um, who's still around somehow, I guess. But he he comes out of that Killcliffe uh, Fight Club team. And I just don't recall seeing anything from uh, from Reese McGee that made me think that he's going to have success uh, at this UFC level. Yeah, I mean, uh, Reese went back to Cage Warriors and did pretty well there. I mean, his his opposition in the UFC, Alex Morono, and and comes out Shemaev, like that's that's a really deep end of the pool to be thrown in early in your UFC career. 
it may have ruined him, but he did pretty well in the Cage Warriors scene after. But Cage Warriors has not been producing the level of prospects that we've come to expect from them from the past. So it's hard to really gauge where that is. Like his opposition wasn't super high level. The guy's got a good jab. He's got really good uh, calf kicks. He gets stronger over the course of the fight, but he starts off slowly. He's not very fast. He's not very athletic. And he's pretty susceptible to the overhand right, uh, which often enough, you know, taller guys are. Luce is a kill cliff FC guy. He's got power. He's explosive. He's fast. Um, Decent output, actually. Higher output than I realized looking at his stats. And he's got really good t- takedown defense. I tend to agree with you. I think I think Luce is probably going to edge this one. But Reese McKee might just be coming into his potential here where he was really like treated kind of unfairly by the matchmakers early in his UFC career and now in, on his return. This is a much more winnable fight for him. So he, he's, he could be a live dog here. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Nora Carnoli and Jocelyn Edwards. Jocelyn Edwards, like pretty high output, pretty crafty, got a good front kick. Um, not the best takedown defense, but has done an overall better job of starting to get back up to her feet. And she's faced some decent opposition now on a three fight win streak in the UFC. Close fights, competitive fights, but against the higher level of competition than is Nora Carnoli. Nora has a basic game. Limited experience, man. I, I feel like I feel like Edwards should be able to outwork her here. Um, Nora has not shown the the kind of dynamic, you know, the, the kind of dynamic athleticism that a UFC debutante against an experienced fighter is going to bring to a win. And wait, so you you grabbed uh, Jocelyn, you pick on Jocelyn Edwards? You, wow, oh wait, was that wait, wait 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 was that the was that my last pick? There's only two fights left after this one. Nick, I'm canceling that pick. I'm making a different pick. I am taking. Okay. Yanis Gimori for three points to beat oh, William Gomis. Um, here's the thing. Gomis is pretty crafty. He's got this unorthodox game. He's, he's a flowing striker. Like, really, really, honestly, rather impressive overall. He, he eked out a couple of close decisions, but the bottom line is that he won them against, you know, arguably decent opposition. They weren't, you know, they, they weren't the worst of the bunch. And he's facing a guy here who, like, Manolo, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Yanis Gimori has a pretty solid overall game. He's got really good uh, leg kicks. Uh, got power. He's got a good jab. He switches stances. Uh, really good distance control, right? Like the guy just kind of stays right in front of you out of range that he's comfortable and keeps popping those jabs. We'll go for takedowns. Uh, good takedown defense. I feel like Yanis has a shot here. He's got a developed enough game for three points. I'm going to go for the flyer. But all else being equal, I probably would have uh, given the edge to Gomez given the UFC experience. Wow. Okay, that's scary for me that you did that. That's probably um, not gonna work out. In my, fi- <laughs> in, my fi- in my final pick, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna pick against an Italian. I'm gonna pick against Manolo Zucchini um, and go for the French fighter Morgan Chaudry. I think. Uh, I mean, I don't really have much to say about that. <laughs> I'm just going with the French guy. Yeah, uh, the the <laughs> Morgan Chaudry is actually really technical, but he's just like. He just does nothing forever until you give him a great opportunity to counter. Pretty good takedowns, good control from the top. But Manolo, like, he's super aggressive. He could outpoint him here. The problem is that with how aggressive Manolo is, how defensively, uh, how how much he doesn't uh, kind of prioritize being defensive, um, he tends to get hit on the counter. And I think that's exactly where Shari is going to have the edge. So I I tend to agree with you on the pick. But, you know, it it could be considered, like, there could be an argument made for the plus 260 underdog here who's going to throw more strikes and certainly outwork Shari in the modern-day UFC where high output is a, is a big factor. And that'll do it for this one, man. We only got that Jocelyn Edwards versus Nora Cornoli matchup, which I already broke down. Do you have any uh, opinions on that one? 
I never picked Jocelyn Edwards, and so far it's served me well. Yeah, fair enough. And, and I just want to note that yeah. before, before we go, Manella Zucchini is the only UFC fighter whose nickname seems to be another full name. His nickname is Angelo Veneziano. Yeah. I'm like, what is, why is his nickname another full name? That might be the name of another Italian known person that, that we're just not yeah. catching. I'll, I'll, I'll Google it. Yes, sir. Um, we got to hop. Uh, That'll do it for this one, so man. We'll, Thanks we'll, for getting we'll on. We'll catch everybody before, the, before Strickland out of Sonia. Looking forward to it.